Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. up y'all it's zach with living corporate and we are here you know i have to say i continue to be thankful for living corporate as a platform a lot of stuff is dropping this week new 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 shows coming out you know the break room started as a live show we're actually transitioning we're going to be making the break room its own podcast you probably have heard a couple of reruns on the weekends if you listen because uh, we're dropping new content every day for your head top. We're going to actually take the break room. It's going to be its own standalone podcast. We're also working to make the access point its own standalone podcast. We have some content coming out, y'all. Shout out to Neil Edwards and Brittany Janae Harris. Shout out to LinkedIn Learning and the partnership there. Our content continues to grow. Thankful for all of our contributors and the content that we're able to, our library that we're able to pull from to then create e-learning make sure you check out the link in the show notes shout out to david dawkins who's helped create our merch you know what i'm saying i'm just really excited about where we are as a as a platform there's more stuff coming that i can't talk about yet but trust um it's coming shout out to live ramp live ramp live ramp is uh, a tech company that we're working with and we're going to be doing um a similar brand campaign that we did with pfizer we're going to be really highlighting live ramps leadership, talking about their DEI journey, talking about just why they continue to be a premier place to work for black and brown folks and just strategically how it's all coming together. It's been incredible working with them. Shout out to Cam uh, Ward over there. Shout out to Tab. Uh, Just shout out to the whole team. Look, if you can't hear it in my voice, this is a season of growth. This is a season of of change. You know, it's not just because it's fall. Um, It's really because we're always growing. Right. Like if you're not growing, then you're not really alive. All right. You hear me? If you're not growing, you're not really alive. That doesn't mean that every day you go through some radical change, but you should be changing in some degree, way or form every single day. And so I'm going to challenge you. If you don't feel like you're changing even a little bit, at least a little bit, I need you to ask yourself what you're doing. All right. Now, look, this conversation we have today. And I say this all the time, but I'm, <laughs> y'all, you got to understand, right? Like we created Living Corporate um, years ago, just with the simple goal of having one podcast. We didn't think it was going to be this whole thing. Oh, shout out to Madison Butler also. Shout out to Vonda Page, the new group chat, um, and the, the blogging series that she's going to be uh, releasing here pretty soon. Keep your eyes peeled for that. My goodness. Anyway, um, it just still blows my mind, the guests that we're able to have on Living Corporate. And it was interesting because... Um, this particular person, um, I got an email and I'm gonna tell y'all a lot of people send me pitches. Like I get tons of pitches. 
Uh, shout out to Tristan. Shout out to Neil. Shout out to Amy C. Wadinger. We all get a lot of pitches to like come on Living Corporate and come on our respective shows. Uh, shout out to the whole team over at the break room. They get tons of pitches. Every now and then, people email me and I get email. I'm like, is this a real person? Like, is this a real thing? Um, and um, Edelman hit us up. Edelman hit us up and asked if we would like to have Jacqueline Stewart, who's the executive vice president, head of all multi-communication at Edelman, right? If if we want to have Jacqueline, if we were interested in having Jacqueline Stewart <laughs> on Living Corporate. Now, my country self, you know, I was like, yes, of course. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this conversation you're going to hear. It's interesting because we haven't actually had a PR firm on Living Corporate yet especially when you think about like the context that we're in the murder of George Floyd, this uh, supposed reckoning that organizations are dealing with and this, um, this call to consciousness that um, apparently half of America has, has gone through um, and just the implications for a PR firm, right? Like what does that really look like? I really appreciated my conversation with Jacqueline. I'm not going to really spill too much of the Earl gray um, on that. Shout out to, uh, Drake, that was a dope line. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be saying Earl Grey moving forward instead of T. Anyway, I'm not gonna spill too much of it because I want y'all to really hear the conversation. But I want to shout out Jacqueline. I want to shout out Edelman. We had a really great conversation. Excited about uh, the discussion that we had and just um, how frank and transparent and um, just a wonderful communicator. Which I guess shouldn't be shocking. She's the head of multicultural communication. But I'm just saying, you know, everyone ain't really cold at this talking thing even people who should supposedly be cold at this talking thing she is really cold at this talking thing and you hear me i pause and i kind of gush in the middle of our interview to talk about it anyway check it out before we pivot to jacqueline stewart evp head of multicultural communication edelman we're gonna tap in with tristan all right i'll see you in a second What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, we're going to discuss three things I wish a recruiter would have told me. When we graduated from school, whether it was high school or college, everyone expected us to land employment, but no one really told us how to search for and land those jobs. Most of us stumbled our way through figuring out a process that sort of worked for us. We made mistakes like casting a wide net, taking jobs without much thought, and not negotiating. There are a couple of things I think would have been helpful if a recruiter told me during that time. The first thing is that the best way to land a job is not through online postings. When companies are sourcing candidates online, they utilize what's called a hiring funnel, which means they try to get as many candidates as possible to apply only to whittle it down to the top candidate. The data tells us the average job posting gets anywhere from 150 to 250 applicants. Only about three to five people land an interview, and usually only one gets the job. That makes your chances of landing an interview around 2%, and landing the job even lower. Instead of just applying online, I suggest you develop and work your network to land referrals. Most recruiters agree that referrals are the best way to find a qualified candidate. Referrals often allow you to skip levels of the hiring funnel and make you 15 times more likely to land the interview. The next thing is to showcase your work digitally. I've spoken with hiring managers who said that if you're not on LinkedIn, you don't exist. 
Now, when I say showcase your work digitally, I'm not just talking about putting a description in your LinkedIn experience section. I mean actively posting and talking about your work, development, and achievements. This can help you build connections and even land those referrals you may be seeking. Another option is to create a website or online portfolio that can house all of that information, but make sure to keep it up to date. In this increasingly digital age, it's essential that we're not only able to be found online, but that people can understand the value you may bring by just reviewing your digital assets. The last thing I wish a recruiter would have told me is that the actual job rarely matches the job description. This means a couple of things. First, we need to ask more questions throughout the interview process and even potentially host informational interviews to get the real scoop on what the job and company are like. Second, it means that you shouldn't just copy and paste the job descriptions as bullet points in your experience. While they may be used as guidance, the work you did was more than likely way more complex or completely different altogether. Focus on conveying what you actually did in the role and the value you brought by doing it. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Jacqueline, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited and honored for you to be here. You know, we talked a little bit really quickly off mic about um, about Edelman as a brand. And, you know, I, I'll be I, like, let me just let me like let me give you some Earl Grey. That's T for those who aren't catching up on the Drake CLB album. It's a, it's a pretty good album. I should, but I'm gonna give you some Earl Grey. And I'm gonna say that despite the fact that Living Corporate has like all these brands like like that we've worked with or executives that we interviewed. It still is so humbling when like people hit us up. And so when I saw the email come through, I took a couple times like cycles. I'm like, word? Let me see. And I was really surprised when it was like, no, this is like a re- like this is a let's go. What's up, Edelman? So, you know, let's talk, let's start with there. Let's start with um, you know, just your career. I know I'm talking to Jacqueline. Executive Vice President at The Edelman. But before uh, we get there, can we rewind and talk about your journey and what led you in this role today? Yeah, happy to do so. And I'm going to give you the short version because I don't want to bore any of your amazing listeners. Uh, (laughs) Let me start off uh, by telling you a little bit of what I wanted to do when I was in college and grad school. I was desperate to be a journalist. Why? Because Oprah Winfrey was my everything. I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to, you know, be a conduit for that type of conversations. Uh, But upon graduation, I may be aging myself. The conversation that was dominating uh, discourse at the time was the immigration, uh, the fight for immigration rights. And I felt the need to tell those stories. So I started off my career actually doing advocacy communications at the National Council of La Raza, which is now known as Unidos US. I've done a couple of stints uh, at different uh, nonprofits and and foundations since then, uh, with a little bit of a break to work at the Obama administration in the middle, Um, and then landed at Edelman because I realized that business really 
was the place that could drive change, right? You know, government, you know, with elections and depending on who's the leader, things change often and it's volatile. Uh, but when we're talking about business, we're talking about dollars and cents uh, and people move things with dollars and cents. And so that's where I wanted to be. So hence my uh, transition to Edelman. Your career on LinkedIn looks so, it's, it's, it's like one big flex. I was like, yo, she did this. She developed this. She was able to, did you, now let me, let me ask a, a question. Like, did you meet, did you meet Barack in person? Um, I have, I shook his hand, but you know, he does not know me. <laughs> he does not know me, but I have had the person. Here's the thing. This, I'll tell but you he knows that you exist house. though. Yes. That's so cool. I've yeah, met, it's uh, Bowen Sunny. <laughs> All right. So let me ask let me ask a question. What does Barack Obama smell like? I will tell you that shaking his hand felt like touching the finest of Italian silks. I think that's what I wrote on Instagram. No, I'm serious. No, I'm 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 so I'm I'm so <laughs> curious about like because I've met like so <laughs> I was talking to somebody and it was like, man, there's somebody's like, yo, I was like it, I like, first of all, my friends who have like these incredible encounters, but they'll be like, yeah, I was in the elevator with Rihanna. I didn't say anything. Of course, I was shook to my core, mm -hmm. but she smelled incredible. Like she's, I was like, wow. And then like, I've, I've met a couple of people. I'm not going to name it, but, but like, but like, I've like sometimes like, you know, you know, if you, or if you brush against someone, it's like, oh, what are you wearing? So that's, that's interesting. Like, I don't know. It's some, it feels like sometimes you meet these people and like they're, they're, they're larger than life. Mm -hmm. Um. So I'm, and so that's why I get into like, what was that like sensory wise? Like, what was that like? So that's interesting. You should, so you're saying his hand was, but it was, was it silky smooth and still firm? Yes, it was a firm handshake. That's what I remember. <laughs> How intriguing. Well, I wouldn't be, I shouldn't be shocked. I think I just, I, I've, I find it just incredible. Um, we live in the season where um, this, some of the people that we happen to, that are alive in the season, right? You look around and I guess that's, that's every lifetime, but you just look around like, dang, like Serena Williams, Barack Obama. I'll say this because you talked about the fact that you went to the White House and, and that you did shake his hand. So, you know, I was in a presentation recently. I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to go into detail what the presentation was, but Serena Williams was in that presentation. Oh, you're going to have to tell me after. And like, we'll talk after. Yeah. Let me tell you something. That I said, this moment of me presenting this, this is like married, check. My first daughter being born, check. This is like still a top three to five moment in my life. This is, I feel, I can do anything now. I presented in front of Serena Williams. Anyway, uh, all this huge segue aside, you're the you're the executive vice president, head of multicultural communications at Edelman, the largest PR consulting firm in the world. Boom, in the world. So Jacqueline, what does that mean? Like, what are you actually, what are you responsible for at Edelman? Right. So it, I'm really responsible for galvanizing one of the best teams around. I believe that. No bias. Hashtag no bias. Um, a team of multicultural experts across all of our practices and sectors, right? That's spanning from health to tech, uh, DEI, all of it, uh, to be able to really provide counsel to our colleagues and clients on how to authentically engage multicultural audiences, right? This, ha this spans race and ethnicity, age, you know, LGBTQIA+, uh, uh, you know, all of the intersectional identities that we have, we really specialize in that and make sure, you know, our clients know what trends are coming up, uh, what to avoid, 
right? And how to authentically engage them both internally within their organizations and externally in a consumer relationship. That sounds so, I got that, that just, that springs so many questions for me. Um, you're talking about advising and advising clients in terms of like, like what's on trend, what is not, what's worked, what's failed. In this season where corporate statements around we're committed to DEI and, you know, we love black folks and everyone's human beings here. Um, what does it look like for Edelman? And, and what and what have what are some of the themes that you're capturing in these conversations in terms of the, the types of consulting you're seeing that organizations are needing? Yeah, I think organizations are so thirsty for uh, information on how to exist in this moment, right? Um, you know, we've known as, as Black people and people of color that they've needed to do this for such a long time. But now all of a sudden there's this awakening. You know, some of us have been awake for such a long time. Um, so, you know, when Correct. counsel... For, for, forever, right? So when we counsel our clients, we let them know it's not enough just to play lip service um, in order to satisfy or check the box for uh, the communities uh, to which we belong to, but it's about action, right? Do not put out a statement unless you are prepared and willing to follow up with action uh, because, you know, it's very transparent when you're just putting words down on paper and you're not willing to do anything or put anything on the line to actually drive change. You know, something I continue to say, like, and this, this is something that keeps me up, right, is what does it look like when you have, you see these brands who are like put out these external statements and then like, if you're paying attention, because everyone doesn't pay attention or frankly value black and brown voices. But like, I would say pretty much every time there's some company that puts out a commitment, hey, we're gonna do this over the next five years. Hey, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. There's typically some historically marginalized group at that organization that comes out and says, eh, stuff ain't sweet over here. And so I'm curious, like, have you seen, have you seen that? Um, in your function and experience? And then what what advice do you have when, the, when that type of fallout happens? Yeah, we have seen that. And what we recommend and we counsel our clients through this, this part of the journey is to get their house in order first, right? You cannot go out with a statement externally if you've not talked to your employees. Your employees are your number one ambassadors and the folks who can, you know, come out and critique your brand or your organization to the point where, you know, folks will fall off and fall out of love with you. Um, so, you know, we really encourage folks to survey their employees, talk to them, have a discussion about what is it that they expect, right? We've done, you know, so many special reports on, you know, trust uh, and the relationship between society, brands, uh, corporations, and employees. And what we found is that there remains a heightened expectations for these institutions to take action, right? It's not going anywhere. Uh, I remember, you know, one of my first conversations with someone, you know, in the wake of the resurgence of the movement for Black Lives, someone said, well, you know, we'll do all this, but what happens when the conversation cools down? 
well, the conversation's not going to cool down, right? We see that, you know, whenever, and we've seen this in our trust study as well, whenever there has been another incident that impacts, uh, you know, Black communities or, you know, other communities of color, that this expectation continues, um, uh, continues to increase. So there is no cooling off point. It's not going to end. They're responsible for doing something. It's so curious, like, you know, it's to your to your last point, like what 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 happens when these conversations, like when when this moment is over, there there does seem to be like this very quiet but like present standoff between um, the actions and language and energy from last summer to whatever this is now, right? And like so, like even like in the DEI landscape, like there's commentary like, oh, people like people are trying to get back to quote unquote normal in the midst of a pandemic. Um, and, you know, I, I'm curious, what do you think, Jacqueline, it's going to take, it's like companies need to see for them to really make dynamic and honest change as it pertains to really speaking to and empathizing with their black and brown employees, uh, market sector, like, what do you, like, what is it? Right, like what? What do you feel like is the ult, is is a motive is the motivation? You said dollars earlier, but there's been tons of studies about how about all these untapped dollars. Like, what 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 do you see as like what's really going to be like the the tipping point for these organizations that are that are still struggling even now in 2021? I think it's what we're seeing right now, even with our latest study about employees within these companies really demanding the change. Right, consumers can do it externally. Um, but then what we're seeing is that within organization, employees are really holding their employers to a higher standard. So the stakes are higher than they've ever been before for leaders of these companies to answer uh, to the demands and expectations of uh, employees who are also consumers, who are also folks who uh, use social media and either advocate for or advocate against a, a brand or a corporation. Um, so I really think it's going to come from within and without, and that's what's going to drive change among uh, among these institutions. Well, you, you know, recently you wrote a piece for HR Dive and you said, you know, quote, people of color, uh, have not had equitable access to senior leadership even while uh, in the office and worked in office settings that prevented them from showing up as their authentic selves, especially in workplaces where they are the only employee of their background or one of very few. This may be why 97% of Black knowledge workers, loosely defined as workers who generate value through their knowledge, want the future of work to be remote or hybrid. Um, one, uh, we're gonna hyperlink the article in the in the show notes, so make sure y'all check it out. Um, two, Jacqueline, what do you think the future is for Black and Brown folks in this standoff uh, between you know between these employees and employers who, frankly, just want folks to come back to the office? Right. I think it's important to note that you know the future of work. It's not a standoff, right? This is an evolution. We've already been having these conversations pre-pandemic about what work is going to look like in the future. Our current situation right now, it's really a forcing mechanism for companies to assess where they are and where they want to be. Uh, so, you know, it behooves these companies to view this time as an opportunity to evolve their workplaces to really fit the expectations of the current worker. We've been talking about the future worker for so long. The future worker is now the current worker. 
I love that. Like the future workers, there is, I do. And some, I don't know what, the, like what the motivation is. Maybe it's just like this, like capitalistic need to like produce and produce and produce. But we often do talk about the future of work or the future employee, but like that future person and that future environment is right here. Right. Like we're actually trying to solve for present problems, which, which is maybe, maybe that's what we always talk about in the future. Cause it's less scary. Cause like, Oh, we're okay now. Let's just think about, you know, later. Um, I'm curious, what do you see and what would you advise like a fortune five, a fortune, let's just say, let's just, let's say, a, let's say a fortune 100 company looking for consulting in this matter to keep in mind around messaging return to office, particularly for black and brown employees. Right. And this is all about building trust among your employees and what do you have to do? You have to listen to them. Uh, so one, I would I would suggest that these companies reassess their diversity, equity, and inclusion policies and practices in this new environment. Not what it was two years ago. Uh, we are now in a new space. What do your policies and procedures look like for today and the days ahead? Two, you know, conduct a survey to get some of that quantitative, you know, analysis, some of those numbers behind what do people actually expect from companies, right? And then follow that up with some qualitative analysis, right, by talking to employees. One easy way to do this or a quick way to start these conversations is by engaging ERGs to really co-create the path forward, uh, you know, for what it looks like for folks to return to the office. It's interesting because in your piece, you talk about the fact that Black and Brown employees, uh, or that Black, specifically Black knowledge workers, um, 97% of them really want the future work to be remote or hybrid. There's also like this, there's also a narrative around the fact that, um, and, and, you, and, and you've, you've alluded to it, but there's other pieces on HBR that talk about the fact that like the lack of in-person touch can be career limiting um, for black and brown people. And I'm curious, like, I don't think that those narratives really um, compete against one another. Jacqueline, to me, they seem to just be reflective of just like the dichotomy of being one of the onlys in a space, right? It's, man, you kind of damn if you do, you damn if you don't. Like, yeah, I probably should be, in a, it would be helpful for people to see me, experience me, perhaps that'll help me in my promotion case, help me build relationships, help me build trust. But at the same time, I feel just much better. Like I can breathe easier when I know that I'm able to just be at home. Um I'm I'm curious, like, do you see that same tension and, and reality of our experience? And if you do, I'm curious just to get like, like, what are your thoughts on that in terms of just like the future of work? Yeah, I think it's like you said, it's two sides of the same inequitable coin, right? So, you know, in one in one case, mm. the barrier is the computer screen, right? Where, you know, folks to not be able to have those interpersonal communication and conversations that really lead to, you know, people getting to know you, people getting to know your work. Then on the other hand, uh, the computer has democratized communication and, and uh, work relationships for folks. We're all now on the same platform. There's no head of the table. Uh, you, know, you don't have to sit in a special place. You don't have to watch where you put this, watch where you put that. You are now on the same flat platform as everyone else, regardless of level. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have the opportunity to unmute your mic and be heard just like everyone else, um, you know, there. So it really is a democratizing platform. Um, so I think what it looks like, it really comes down to, again, the policies and procedures, because no matter where you are, whether you're at your home office or whether you're in 
the quote unquote, the office, um, you know, your workplace should be a place where, you know, you can be your authentic self and still be able to thrive because you are included um, and your, your, your contributions are not just considered, right? They are actually made at the decision making table. Sound man, put a record scratch right here. There's a zoop, zoop, zoop. See, not everybody. I'm going to pause this interview in real time. You hear what I did? I asked Jacqueline the question about individual experience and what Jacqueline did in real time was she actually talked about policies and she talked about structures and systems. That's important as we think about the future of work and as we talk about black and brown experience or experience of marginalized people. Uh, resume play now. But I just, I, I, Jacqueline, like, I just, I appreciate that answer because you're right. Like, the so often in this work or anytime whether you want to categorize it as dei so much so often the labor comes back to the most marginalized person well do you know they should just show up like this or they should do this and it's like well no like you because i agree with you this in this this new environment should flatten access and participation and so then therefore drive equity or at least equitable opportunity um, but that only happens when you have the right structures and accountability measures, reinforcement and rewards measures to bring that culture to life. So I, I, I love that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Jack, I'm going to make an observation. I really didn't I really didn't have an I, I didn't really know how you were going to show up in this interview. We haven't really you know, you and I don't know each other. We just met today. I'm going to say you are the coldest communicator in terms of you haven't said, um, you haven't paused. And y'all like, you know, we're on camera. Evelyn hasn't like looked up to access her creative side. She hasn't done it. She's just going. It's just beautiful. It's incredible to watch and it's inspiring. So um, I, I share that not just, to, not just to gas you up, but I'm curious, like from a, from a principal perspective, are there any principles that you apply in your role as the head of multicultural communications um, and as a communications just subject matter expert that you believe are applicable in anyone's career, but particularly black and brown folks' careers? Well, first, let me say, I think the reason that I haven't paused or had to access any creative thought or think about anything is because you've created a comfortable environment to have a conversation. So this feels like I'm just talking to someone on the phone. So that's great. Um, <laughs> the principles that I really rely on, you know, are marrying lived experience with data. You know, I've brought up our trust studies before uh, many times in this conversation because I, I think it's important to be able to back up, uh, you know, our lived experience with that data. It's sort of the art and science of things, having those both both sides, you know, being able to present your, your information whenever you're, you're at the table. Um, second, being mindful of not mistaking representation for true inclusion. Uh, just because you're at the table does not mean you are being heard, right? And as a principal of this group, one of my foremost goals is making sure that the folks who are on my team and other, you know, folks who represent diverse uh, perspectives are, are heard and that their perspectives are brought to the decision-making table. And then also unburden yourself with the pressure of thinking that 
you can undo centuries of broken systems. We're not going to get anywhere if we each of us feels like we are responsible for undoing these systems and the harms that they've done uh, to each of us, right? That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to do the best that we can to really fulfill our personal and professional missions uh, and, and help and bring others to the table when we can. Uh, but we cannot, we cannot burden ourselves with that responsibility. That is, you know, unproductive and it harms us mentally, physically, and spiritually. <laughs> My, woo, come on now. I'm going to say something. You said something. Yeah, top. Representation. Some A lot of us conflate, you know what I'm saying, representation with liberation. All right? They're not the same. All right? You can ask some people if they have some figureheads. That don't mean anything. They don't care about you. So I love that. Everything you said. Goodness gracious. My gosh. Jacqueline, this has been so fun. And such a, um, such a balm to... Uh, to my to my my day. So just so thank you for that. Um, before I let you go, uh, one I want to say, can certainly consider you a friend of the show. Um, I would love for us to figure out how we can keep lines of communication open. I love what Element is doing. I told you before, you know, my wife, she gush has been. She loves Element as a brand. Um, so I've always, before I even got into like corporate America, and I was like just you know, just, I was just living at UH Jacqueline. I didn't know what was going on. I, I knew I was like, okay, well, there's Apple and Coca-Cola and Ed like, it was really like presenting that way. You, it had a very strong, like reach at, at the university of Houston. Everybody knows about element at UH. So anyway, um, before we let you go, parting words or shout outs. Yeah, I want to shout out my multicultural team, um, every single one who's working every single day to make sure that our clients, you know, have what they need to really, really engage and prioritize, you know, the communities to which we belong. Uh, each of the members of, of this team is personally, not just professionally, but personally committed to this work and it shows through with every single thing that they do. So I just want to take a moment to shout them out because I believe they're the best around. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's not only a classy move, Jacqueline, but a smart one. I, I love that. You shouted out your people. That's important. Somebody came on and I appreciate it, but it made me laugh. They were like, I'm gonna shout myself out. Shout out to me. I'm cold. I was like, shout out to you. You're, you're already here. Didn't Snoop do that? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, shout I out. I was like, okay. <laughs> and he was like, shout out, shout out to, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Jacqueline, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we will talk to you soon. And um, yo, if y'all want to learn more about Edelman, check out the links in the show notes. Uh, you want to learn more about Jacqueline, uh, again, links in the show notes. And um, I hope that y'all are hearing this, that it's about impact uh, over time and not just making a splash. Jacqueline, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And we're back. Hey, again, Jacqueline Stewart, thank you so much for being a guest on Living Corporate. Shout out to Edelman. Um, it's interesting, you know, my wife, you know, one of her dream jobs was Edelman. And it was a brand that I knew of like early in my career at college, right? Just early, just as a, a very 
young, young adult, right? And what I appreciated about our conversation was that Jacqueline did not put on a lot of airs. Um, hopefully you were able to feel what I felt, which was authenticity, intention, and just a frankness that frankly, like a lot of executives do not hold. And I really am excited about what Edelman is doing. I'm excited about the advice and the consulting that they're providing to organizations about really stepping in this work and not trying to check the box. And uh, I really look forward to uh, having Jacqueline back and having any member of Edelman back. Shout out to you all. I'll just say it again. You know, we continue to, to grow and change. Um, Living Corporate as a platform continues to do really dope things. Hopefully y'all see, I don't have my face all over Living Corporate because Living Corporate is not the Zach show. Living Corporate is its own organization. I happen to be the founder, to be one of the co-founders and to be the CEO of Living Corporate. But this organization lives on well beyond me. Shout out to Justin Blyden of the Access Point. Access Point is coming really, really soon. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that too. Shout out to your leadership over there, sir. And yeah, I'm just thankful, right? Continue to rock with us. If you haven't already, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about us. Tell a coworker about us. Tell a tell a neighbor about us. Tell a you know tell a racist family member about us. Tell an activist family member about us. Tell just tell folks about us, right? You you giving us five stars. You passing the word on. You sharing us on LinkedIn. You sharing us on social media, Twitter, Instagram. It blesses us, right? That's an easy way that you can support us. And then again. Um, if you know folks who are looking to learn, they're trying to pick up stuff forward to LinkedIn learning link. All right. We got it. We got y'all right. Seven courses up right now, working on some more. But trust me, the courses that are on there right now, heat rock. All right. Uh, <laughs> until next time, y'all. This has been Zach. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.